0: You're listening to the Irish Times.
1: So I was on a train for most of yesterday. Yeah. A train to Killarney and back from Killarney for Mayo Kerry. Uh, And though there was nowhere else in the world that I wanted to be than in Killarney to watch Mayo Kerry Mm. yesterday, uh, it appears that by going to a sporting event, I missed the greatest sporting day ever.
2: Yeah, oh, there's such a variety of sports on yesterday, <laughs> one after another. I think it was inevitable you were going to miss some of it mm. by watching some of it. Yes, <laughs> um, unless you were like our lads in the sports desk where you had three TVs in front of you and you were watching all three at once. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was in a I was in a bar watching um, the Kerry game, and and again, lads trying to flick on the tennis. Which doesn't go down too well in in uh, parts of rural Ireland, but still there was people trying to put on the tennis. Um, yeah, I, I've heard so many stories of people talking about pack pubs watching Federer and Djokovic in that in that final. The reaction to the cricket has been brilliant. You know, there's just so not many much. people
1: putting on the cricket in uh, rural Roscommon. No,
2: no, no, not too many <laughs> people knowing about that. But um, my my housemate was was uh, Patrick Rad was telling me all about it. been a big cricket fan, but um, yeah, that that game. Just on the best the one, day one day international uh, uh, ever
1: I was talking to a friend of mine last night who and the way he put it to me was uh, that uh, Djokovic and Federer were playing the f- uh, the first ever fifth set tie break in a Wimbledon final and he had no interest in watching <laughs> it because he was watching the cricket because the cricket was so scintillatingly gobsmackingly mad
2: yeah yeah well this the I, I seen the middle part of the game mm. and I uh, actually missed the end of it but it um, was described to me as it just sounds bizarre like um, Ben Stokes having a ball a ball being thrown back literally coming off of his back going back out for another actually, boundary he
1: ran <laughs> too and he was stretching to get in for the second run and because the ball hit his bat and ran out for ran out across the boundary he got an extra four for it yeah now had there been any suggestion that he intentionally got in the way of the ball then he wouldn't have got the four but because it was completely inadvertent on his behalf they got the extra four yeah. and that was the that was the, the,
2: the, that brought the, them margin to the was so small out. that yeah. they
1: it couldn't England could not have won otherwise uh they ended up in the same totals they ended up. Uh, on the same total with the super over and it turns out England win because they had more boundaries over the course of the game. Yeah. It is mad. It a mad, mad finish to yeah. the tournament.
2: And him being a Kiwi against the Kiwis. So it's just a mad um, incredible, yeah. An incredible win and like well, we you must see most reds.
1: We must laud Owen Morgan
2: this morning. The Irishman Irish
1: captain of uh the England cricket team, captain of the world champions. Uh it's gonna raise an interesting sort of couple of days and it's <laughs> going to be interesting towards the end of the year I mean I would absolutely argue to the death that he should be included in RT's list of sports people of the year at the end of the year mm. uh, and I mean short of Rory McElroy winning in Port Rush this week and we'll be talking to Philip Reed in a while uh, or short of the Rugby, rugby Lads doing something yeah. in, in November um, there certainly isn't a bigger uh a bigger achievement on a world stage by an Irish sports person this year even Katie's uh, unifying o- of all the titles mm. like this is bigger like this is a bigger there's, there's a, a bigger sporting population in, involved in the Cricket World Cup than, than there is yeah. in, in women's boxing you know?
2: and bigger than rugby as well so even if we were to win there it's a, a lot bigger ok but, yeah. a, but
1: a, a, if a, if Ireland win the, the, the World yeah, Cup of course, that's it'll a different be Ireland, story yeah. Yeah,
2: but yeah. no it is it's, it's um, and his circumstances of him captain in England, kind mm. of not every people just people are just kind of coming in and seeing that, not really understanding why or how this yeah. happens. But he's been playing for England for years, and when he, and has been captain of the of the one day team, yeah, for for so long. And, and Ireland didn't have test status or anything when he made that mm. decision. So, um, you know, that was that was his dream. Mm. It's funny this morning if you go to the most read on the Irish Times website, like it's all cricket, like yeah, it's well, you know, great to see. Um Something different like that, and it kind of, it just shows the. You know, I would be
1: disappointed if the, <laughs> if the if the Irish Times wasn't uh, wasn't a, a bastion of cricket on a, on a on a day like this.
2: Yeah, but oh, uh, but we have this, you know, sandwich between the the two two golf tournaments, yeah. and we have the GA on running and you know, it's we're just being spoiled with it at the moment. Where normally you'd, you'd you'd have thought this time of year, obviously you have Wimbledon, you have the you knew the golf was coming, but normally this time of year you'd be waiting for the rugby world cup, I mean, waiting for the Premier spoiled. League. I mean, you say
1: spoiled. I didn't feel spoiled on the train back from Killarney <laughs> yesterday, writing five thousand words on it all. Anyway, uh, we will, as I said, have Philip Reed on later uh, from uh, Portrush, where everything is unfet in readiness for the British Open. But we will start with. Uh, Bumper. only way to describe it is a bumper weekend of GAA. Sean Moran is in. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I have just about recovered from my travels down to uh, Killarney and back. uh, And you were in Croke Park. I was? Yesterday. Yeah. For the Hurling. The Hurling uh, has uh, has winnowed down to the last four teams now. We have Kilkenny to play Limerick and Wexford to play Tipperary. You were at... Cork Kilkenny, of which I didn't see a stroke. So you'll have to tell me all about
3: it. Well, it went slightly against expectation in that there was a consensus. I suppose two consensuses that underlay this. One was that uh, Cork had a very good front eight, fast, uh, good forwards, and a bit unreliable maybe at the back. Uh, And Kilkenny... Had actually failed to win their previous three matches, which is unusual for them.
1: Yes, going into a <laughs> Just, championship to match, to, yeah, to be it in it in the same yeah. season. Yeah, uh,
3: but as has been the case in in the history of this fixture, which I was even looking at uh, last week, favourites have a hard time in it, and mm. uh, it did look as if it was set up a bit along the lines that uh, a situation happened in the past where teams particularly coming out of Munster, look terrific and mm. flamboyant and yeah. exciting and everything. And they come up against the rather more prosaic uh, champions from the, the blue from, from Leinster. Yeah. yeah, yeah and and yeah. obviously these aren't champions in the, in the new setup, up. Yeah. But um, it had the feel of that. It was in Croke Park and it was Cork Kilkenny. And it, it, it followed that sort of script because uh, whereas Cork uh, sparkled intermittently and Patrick Horgan was phenomenal, that uh, the... the better collective effort was Kilkenny's and they took the chances when they arose. particularly a devastating third quarter because Cork went in leading by two at half time um, having played with the wind but probably feeling they hadn't done badly to get the initiative back from Kilkenny um, and and yes in that, that third quarter they were outscored 1-8 to a point and it never really looked they, they staged a kind of a mini revival which got it back to, to, to three points but without taking the necessary next step to to really close the gap. Uh, and, uh, you know, Kilkenny saw it out. I mean, Cork's defence will be maybe criticised for the, the score they, they conceded, but their forwards were fairly patchy, apart from Alan Cadogan and Patrick Oregon, yeah. who shot the lights out. The, the others didn't really support. I mean they got something like 314 out of the 318, the wow, two of them. Right, yeah. So no Patrick Organ at 310. Mm-hmm. But even when they were closing on them in the I towards the end in in, in the final quarter, they shot critical wides mm-hmm. uh which really undermined, you know, when you have that sense of momentum of, of a team that's coming back and they'd been eight points yeah. down and the crowd's getting behind them, and then someone shoots a
1: wide it takes very t- little. yeah it yeah. always takes it, those things are always they're 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 like a mile wide and an inch thick like like one wide knocks yeah, you need every bit of it you when you're doing a st- when you're doing a comeback yeah. like and, that
3: and and Kilkenny took the chances you know they brought on their replacements, clipped away scores mm. here, score there kept it kept kept it going and and ran out fairly deserving winners, you know.
1: Yeah, when I heard uh, uh, about the sort of the rhythm of the game and how it had been close at half-time and then Kilkenny had sort of kicked away in the third quarter, I was getting, you know, real flashbacks to Kilkenny of three, four years ago or, or, mm. or old-style Kilkenny yeah. even even in the, in, the, in the good old days. Like, yeah. that's... That was their sort of calling card, you know, like... Third quarter, yeah. kick on and yeah. and and leave the other crowd. Yes, you think you're
3: list. you think you're in touch, yeah. and then suddenly and then you you're not. Out.
1: Yeah, like how many times did they, they they did routinely did that to Galway in the yeah, past? Yeah, that's you know, right, in, just in, a, bur- a scoring finals. burst. Yeah.
3: Uh, and, but Cork began to malfunction as well. Like their their puck outs went to pot. They were they were really uneasy on the short puckouts, mm. getting challenged, turned over. Uh, so Nash is going long, and then they were just getting gobbled up by Kilkenny centrefield Kilkenny halfbacks played really really well so yeah there was those flashes of, of the past but I think it was very disappointing for Cork uh, you know who who've now lost three matches in this mm. t- championship and uh, obviously that that's it for them but uh, it, it was still typical Kilkenny uh, the opportunities presented themselves, uh, and they took them. And there were no no signs of the the kind of the, the s- s- scattiness that afflicted them at the end of the Leinster final right. when they couldn't close the yeah, three point gap. Yeah. They were they were kind of you know they were they, they, they were focused and they, they did the job. So it be f- interesting to see them against Limerick because it was a very good match last year in in the quarterfinals.
2: Mm. Uh, I think aside from a league and championship win over Limerick, it's been a very disappointing year for for Cork. Where does where does this leave them?
3: I think um, it leaves them really with the. I think the issues they brought into the championship are unresolved. Uh, particularly, you know, the, at, at at the back, their their defense has, has proven porous at the at the top level. Uh, there was an inconsistency of performance this s- summer as well. I mean, it, it started in th- that kind of horror show at home to, to Tipperary, uh, where they uh, where, where you know they were they were ex- expected. Well, they were. F- favour to, 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 to win. It looked like they got it back on track when they went to the Gaelic rounds and, and turned over Limerick in their first first match. But they never really got going uh, after that. I mean, they were beaten beaten by Clare and then I know it was kind of a freakish day and there was awful weather and that, but it was the sort of match that a team should be winning in those circumstances. And uh, I, I think, again, they were they were disappointing on, on on Sunday. It leaves them... Now, they have kind of under underage players coming through John Myler was saying this uh, afterwards that you know the the, the future isn't, isn't bleak but I don't know how the future is for him because he's had two years now and he won one month to the first year and went close in the, the All-Ireland semi-final and it was felt at that stage what they needed was greater strength and depth because arguably injuries and uh, the lack of a, of, a, of a good bench cost them last year they did some work uh, that in that direction, but the the levels of performance um, have been, you know, inconsistent in the sense that when they weren't good, they're were quite poor, and I would say yesterday comes into that 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 category. Too few players making mm-hmm. significant contributions to, to to the collective effort, and yeah, uh, a lot of thinking to be done down there.
1: Temporary sort of dealt with leash in the end. Uh, yeah. I, I it's sort of the, that sort of classic. Uh, uh, no win situation, other yeah. than the actual win. Like, the- yeah,
3: that's right. Um, I think there's probably there's probably nothing too un- unusual. Uh, Nicky English writes about uh, this um, occasionally about Tipperary that Tipperary are best served by being a winning team, mm. and the scale of the derailment in Limerick in the, in the Munster final was always going to create problems. Then you're coming into a match that it, in some Part some recess of your mind you feel you won't lose you mm. can't lose and it is going to be 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 difficult uh, I was almost taken back at the jerseys they were wearing I didn't understand <laughs> how they'd parlayed their normal <laughs> colours yeah, into yeah. this but, but anyway aside from such ephemeral considerations uh, tipped it enough in the, in the end the times
1: but, with the big news lines yeah, from, it, the, uh, from the Hurling The fashion, <laughs> fashion
3: correspondent uh, but it was Good for Leash, really. I mean, without patronising them. Oh, yeah. That was their third weekend of a really big match. And uh, they quitted themselves well. And they were down to 14 men in the, the second half.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, as well as the hurling, the football, was some great action. You were in Clarney yourself. That was not the... Maybe the, the result, but definitely not the margin of result that people were expecting. Definitely not. Like, it was... It was a, a
1: game that... I guess in a way, it sort of didn't live up to to the billing. Like, like we all went there thinking, "Wow, what what else would you be doing today? Only being at this game in this town." Uh, and God, it was it, like it was over after half an hour. Um, the I, I did, a, did the the on, on, for Saturday's paper, and like I went for mail. And stupid now, uh, and the only reason I bring it up is that the only thing I got right in the preview was the fact that uh, at some stage some team is going to really destroy David Clark's kick out, and that's what happened. Boy, they really just like they've carry lined up with thirteen men in the Mayo half for the for the kickouts all the way through the first half, and even when Clark managed to get the odd quick one away or the odd short one away. It wasn't that they then sort of dropped everybody back; like they kept all thirteen players up. They totally hemmed Mayo in and made it so hard for them to get out. They it was a it was a risky ish tactic because the odd time that Mayo were able to work it through the lines, Killian O'Connor and Darren Cohen were one on one in the whole of the half of the uh, uh, of the pitch, and they did manage to pick off a, a, a couple of points. Although Jason Foley did really well on Darren Cohen and. Cohen was eventually taken off in the second half. But um it was so aggressive. It was it was and it was so blatantly that they had decided they and like we'd watched Mayo in their last couple of qualifiers against Arma and against Galway, and two or three times in both of those games you could see Clark standing over the kick out and taking a little bit longer than he needed to and playing it short and them getting hemmed in and hemmed in and Peter Keane and, and Tommy Griffin clearly just decided that's our that's the hole in the Death Star here and they absolutely murdered them. Uh, Like I think there was definitely three definitely two times in the first half and it may have been three I need to check my notes again where Kerry got a score and then directly got a score from the kick out. Like basically within 40 seconds Clark was having to kick it out again. That's what it was. Like even like and like Clark made a brilliant save from James O'Donoghue at one stage and genuinely 30 seconds later he was having to kick it out again because i think david moran like they made a hero out of david moran because clark's sort of his his go to kick out when all else failed he doesn't he doesn't doesn't laser it out the pitch he it's a high loopy job and clark or david moran was just rising and caught three four balls and with every catch Killarney was rising and, and kind of it was the performance they were waiting on from David morn for a long time and sure he I'd say he was delighted the balls that were coming down to him beyond that Mayo just malfunctioned like they it, like that was the the key to it like they had no good possession they had no easy possession they had no breathing space everything they were having to do they were having to do at pace and their middle eight is just when it, you, you saw it was very clear the loss of Matthew Rowan, the loss of Dermot O'Connor, the loss of these guys in and around the middle. And they looked they looked old, they looked short of pace, um, and Kerry, Kerry looked very, very good.
3: I think probably one of the issues for them was the great sense of achievement. Because I was in Limerick for the Mayo-Galway match, and it was uh, a big thing for them to get to the last stage because mm. they weren't there last year. Um, but I have to say that although I think everything w- was pointing in their direction in this sense, that it was essentially a shot to nothing going to Killarney, yeah. great momentum behind yeah. them, uh, the old Mayo yeah. bandwagon yeah, hitting yeah. the highway again. But, God, we were shockingly poor in that yeah. match. and yeah. Mayo didn't beat them by yeah. much, yeah. and you just thought to yourself, well, now, Kerry, this is a home match for yeah. Kerry, and, you know, they're... They're they're a, a team that actually has scores to settle with Mayo Absolutely, as well. Yeah. And scores to settle with higher caliber Mayo teams. Indeed, you yeah. mentioned the, yeah. those injuries, particularly around centre field. Yeah. I mean think how, how good their centre field was and the league wins over, oh, over yeah. Kerry and yeah. and not to have it. So the only the, the only thing from their point of view um is that it the way the schedules are, are laid out mm. They have Donegal to come in their final match yes. at home in yeah. Castle Bar. And Donegal experienced a bit of turbulence yesterday uh, against Meath. And it'll be interesting to see if, if if Kerry were to do a job on Donegal next weekend, it could be a fairly... Donegal could be limping into Castle Bar rather than anything else. Yeah. So,
1: that, Now, that's an interesting game next weekend. It's a really fascinating game because Kerry need to bring something else. Um, Sean Patton is a different animal to David Clark. There, you can't put thirteen men in Donegal's half uh, with a goalkeeper who can kick the ball eighty yards. Well, no that,
2: one, no one's gonna fit. No one's gonna airily beat uh, Donegal. Like they've got way too many options. There are mm. huge men all over the place. But, but that's why I was, I was just thinking that it was really
1: interesting that this was the specific plan that Kerry had for for Mayo, and but they can't have the same plan next week because they in Croke Park. Sean Patton will destroy them if they if they come with that same thing again. What they have is like like we can nearly be a little bit blase about him at this stage. But like David Clifford is he he really could be something. Like he really could be anything. Like he scored seven points yesterday. Two of them were frees. One of them was a free, an insane free from the sideline. Uh off both feet, he was one on one inside with Brendan Harrison and like every time he gets the ball. He. It's not even every. Every time the ball is put into him, he makes good ball out of bad ball. He is so elusive as a runner, as a twister and a turner, and he's so comfortable off both feet. Like he is so complete for a guy his age. I think there's no doubt about
3: the quality yeah. of Kerry's forwards. It's how yeah. they cope in other areas of the yeah. field. Because interestingly, um, in the Munster final against against Cork. The, their centre field didn't didn't flourish on, nope. on that occasion. No, no. You know? So and the Donegal centre field is one of the best in yeah. the game. So yeah,
1: like they played Adrian Spillane there essentially with uh, with David Moore and yesterday yeah, uh, there was no sign of Jack Barry
2: anywhere. I think and, though uh, people coming into this match, this Kerry Mayo match, we're getting like Mayo lost to Roscommon. They should have been beaten by Down. They struggled against Armagh and they bet a poor rather yeah like well a, I mean you say that now, like
1: I think Armagh are decent they're very decent and and who yeah. took care of them like they they walked a the line but they took care of them and I know Galway are you know Galway have really regressed but they're a, a seasoned Division 1 team like there was there was reason enough to to pile all of that together and added to Mayo's general experience and to yeah. think that they could go to Killarney and do it. Th- I think
3: the issue with Mayo is that this is the fourth year running that going to the qualifier route. Yeah. Now now what we've seen in the past is Mayo hit a transformative stage yeah. in that process mm. where they suddenly step up and become All Ireland contenders again. Mm. I I think that probably people looking at it so far would agree with what Eamon was saying, that there was nothing remarkable about what was going on. Mm. But the precedent was that Mayo, having done enough to get there, generally went up the gears yeah. and, and 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 that's probably what the hopes were being based on yeah. as much as anything else. But equally there've been kind of, you know, Old Testament prophets also saying every year. May have to be finished now. Yeah, you know.
1: yeah, yeah. Now, to be fair, they have brought in
3: new players, yeah, and and, and, so and that the,
1: was the that was the notable thing yesterday. That none of the new players really yeah. really flourished. Like, Darren, I think Cohen got three points, but they were kind of picky off points. And and Foley definitely did win his battle with them. Uh, Fionn McDonough scored one point and then wasn't seen again. James Carr was taken off. Like that. That's yeah. the thing. And of course, like Paddy Durkin, an awful loss as well. Yeah. Um, Sean, like, what do you Dublin on on Saturday yeah. night, like? Like we come away from it going, and this is where we're at. We come away from it going thinking, wow, should, you know, there could be something about Cork in a couple of years, even though they got beat yeah. by 13 points. The well, I think the thing about but before, it, but it wasn't a 13 point game. Yeah. Like we no, it wasn't.
3: That. I mean, the thing about Cork is that um, Cork have been really underperforming. Yes. Over the last few years, yeah. I mean, in terms of you know their underage track record and everything, they haven't been assembling much tin because of the presence of Kerry in the, in, in the province, but they've frequently been Kerry's most serious challengers at the at underage. But um, I, I think what was notable about Cork this year was obviously pushing Kerry so hard in the Munster mm-hmm. final, which hasn't happened for for, yes. for a while. But they kind of they they, they doubled up on that in the qualifiers, mm-hmm. like big win over Leash, and they came out and they were. They, they were sensational at the start against Dublin. I mean, six from six, and, and it was they, nearly you know. nearly
1: what we were talking about in in the uh, in the hurling chat. Like they were six from six, but as soon as they as they missed the seventh shot, you were yes, going, yeah. oh, no, the, yeah, yeah, this they, can't last forever." Well, well, yeah, once the
3: once they <laughs> conceived doubts as to their karma, uh, <laughs> it was kind of not as much. It was over, but um, Dublin again, kind of starting slowly, but Cork, as they have done, uh, and in fairness to them. Uh, They're right. They just went orthodox, man-to-man. They know they're not going to play 13 men behind the ball or double sweepers or something to try and keep the score down. They just go at it, trade punches until they get tired and then the other side punches them out. And that's largely what happened. I mean, that scoring burst towards the end of the match did distort the the scoreline. But uh, Dublin were, were, were impressive enough. They were playing... A team that was facilitating a you know a high scoring a good old match, game of football, a good old game, yeah, and it was yeah, a good old yeah yeah match. Uh, it'll be interesting next week because you know uh, Tyrone won't be prone to any such indulgences. Won't have and, such
1: Corinthian and, uh, ideas Cork, about the whole thing. Yeah. And
3: Cork will have to face a team that's kind of smothering them as they attack mm. and then. Counter-attacking them, and it'll be it'll be instructive to see. It'll be a different type of yeah. a, a, of th- challenge. Th- there's, but
2: s- there's such a breath of fresh air, though. Like they're mm. so brave. Like Cork, yeah. Oh, the, to go out and play man for man against they do it in every game, but to do it against Dublin, yeah. like uh, to, ma- to to be told your man marking Jack McCarthy as a wing forward must be terrifying. Like you, you know, you lose and uh, you, you you lose five yards on him. You're not catching it. Like yeah. you're not getting that back, mm. and. The the thing I thought from all of the games, but especially that match, was just fitness levels just looked terrifying. Like the speed, the, double the like the amount of players who were just incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. if it, teams, I don't think Cork's man for man approach is ever going to work. But the fact that teams are going more into an orthodox, like not completely, but the fast, the really fast players yeah. is is uh, really going to come to the fore. I think in in yeah. the way the game is going, like speed is becoming everything.
1: Has there ever been a, a more Jim Gavin moment than uh, his uh, interview with the uh, Dublin TV? Hitherto
3: unheard of Dublin TV. Yes, uh, indeed,
1: where uh, he he uh, breaks breaks the, uh, the 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 most sensational news of the GA summer in, in a the script. most throwaway. Yeah. It's great to have, great to get Johnny Cooper back on the pitch and James McCarthy is back, and Owen Merchant is back, and Dear McConnell's back, Drain with us, and Robbie McDade is back, in as well, yeah, yeah. what a what a guy like that. That's Pete Gavin now to me. Yeah, yeah that's true.
3: Uh, it, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, <laughs> I I think it was whatever. I mean, the, the, the Connolly thing is such an ongoing uh, mm. circus, and and you wonder like, after two years, what he's going to offer us at county level. But anyway, he's he's back, and at least I suppose from Jim Gavin's point of view it eliminates it as an issue, the fact that he's back. <laughs> well, and it well, has, it, if, well, it
1: does until he uh, he doesn't bring him on or, yeah, or
3: put him in a 26. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but it was significant, I thought, on Saturday night that you had, in, again, in a rather understated closing couple of minutes, um, Johnny Cooper, who yeah. hadn't been seen for four months, yeah. comes back in. Yeah. Owen Merchant who hasn't been seen for a couple mm. of months, he's back in. And then James McCarthy, who looked he like was he supposed had a season-ending yeah, yeah, injury. Yeah, exactly, he's yeah, back in. Yeah. Uh, so... Th- the three of those back harness is uh yeah. well it, it very much yeah, the mm. tanks yeah. rumbling to the words the border. Yeah. Uh yeah. and if they get something out of Connolly well and good. But I'd say the chief advantage from Jim Gavin's point of view is that maybe people stop talking about it I'll until you as you say um, he, he you know, he doesn't play him, or <laughs> he know, makes yeah. him stand on the sideline for <laughs> yeah, ten minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, or he makes him the water but, boy uh, one
1: of the days. Uh, we will finish. Oh, we can't go around all the games, but we we'll, we will we'll finish with uh, Rossi the Rossies and Tyrone. Uh, like that game to me on Saturday. Like, not that these things need underlining, but my God, at this level, you've got to take your chances, and if you don't, it's almost the mental. uh injury of not taking your chances yeah. that, that kills you in the end because like for 50 minutes of that game they were two even teams mm-hmm. except that Roscommon just didn't didn't yeah. take their scores
2: we're pl- playing it into the wind Roscommon were two points down half time after missing two, two goal 21 chances, metre yeah. frees and two yeah. goal chances like it just um, if they'd got the, like them two frees had to be kicked the wind was tricky but McShane Kicked all of his frees, so yes. like he can't. Yeah. and that was just the difference in in that even. And Cox has had such a good year, but um, he yeah, missed so many chances, and that ended into them. Conor Devaney's out for the year, and and they they, they needed everything they could off the bench, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, Tyrone was just better than them. But for Common the difference in that and last year was mm-hmm. just miles apart. Like, so they can't be too, you know, they can't be beating themselves up too much. I think, I think that Cork. Aren't going to beat Tyrone, but they have a chance of beating Tyrone. And if Cork were to beat Tyrone, then Roscommon have a chance again. But again, Cork aren't going to be easy to beat. So, mm. but that that group could be a bit all over the shop, depending on how Cork Tyrone match go, goes. Because yeah. you just have to assume that Dublin are obviously going to beat beat Roscommon. So, if Cork were to beat Tyrone, that opens it all up. But um, yeah, just you've got to take you've got to take your chances. They're at home, they were playing really well, and if they went in, if they were. 50 minutes gone and they were ahead you know when you're five points down then it's just, against Tyrone they bring everyone back and just counter Doesn't it show the difference though when you do
3: have these matches in, in, in home venues mm. for, for, for teams yeah. because I mean Roscommon last year I mean probably the two teams you don't want to play in Croke Park and mm. Tyrone and, uh, Tor- and Dublin, Dublin yeah. because they're so so used to it and, uh, and it didn't you know it was hard for them in both, in both cases whereas Okay, probably the four-point margin flattered them a little mm, bit on, mm. on, on Saturday, but it was still competitive stuff. And, oh, yeah, and like and th- it was,
1: I, I had they got that goal at the end, yeah. you know, all they had to do then was win a couple of kickouts, and, you know, yeah, th- suddenly, it, it, yeah. it, it, it may have been there. Yeah, but, um, yeah.
3: but it's a... It, it, probably the more likely scenario is that that group is finished at yeah. next weekend. Absolutely, um, yeah. And uh, that's a pity because those sort of outcomes were largely avoided last year. But uh, yeah. but we'll see. It'll be an interesting I think it's more in competitive
2: there. than the other group though. Because I don't think me they're going to challenge anybody. Where Cork still do look like they could. Like even there's common Cork in the last game even if there's nothing for grabs they'll still go hammer and tongs at each other and, and they still will want to win. Well, we
1: will we will know it all this time next week and and where we're going. Listen, thank you very much, Sean. Thank you for coming. No in. problem. And we will talk to you again. Cheers. I couldn't be more excited, Eamon, for uh, this week up in Portrush. Uh, probably the biggest sporting event ever. To be held certainly in in terms of a global audience, uh, maybe outside the Special Olympics, ever to be held on on the island. Uh, Philip Reed is uh, in situ. You went up uh, yesterday, Philip. Is that right?
0: I travelled up yesterday morning, Maliki, yeah, and uh, arrived, and already, like the sense of anticipation is. Is, is unreal i haven't experienced it at an open championship before uh the crowds yesterday were fantastic and it was almost a giddiness this morning like mm. with, with the number of people coming in and uh you know it's it's going to be an absolutely fantastic week uh the setup is fabulous the rough is up and it's dancing in the little wind that we have and i don't think the forecast is for too much of a wind during the week so it's going to be glorious conditions.
1: If people are giddy now on a Monday morning, uh, uh, how are we going to fill the time until Thursday?
0: God knows. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's uh, that's a big question. And whatever about uh, that, how are you going to fill the paper? (laughs) Well, you know, it's okay actually when a tournament gets going because uh, you're talking about real golf. Yeah, just the shots actually count. But like, we're going to have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of a, of a build-up, which yeah. is as long as the actual tournament itself. So uh, I don't think you get it in too many other sports where the practice days actually uh, get such crowds. Uh, it's pretty much sold out for the week. I know there's a few tickets left for today and maybe tomorrow. But other than that, Wednesday is a sellout, and the uh, championship days have been sold out for a long time. So... Uh, they've done an absolutely fabulous job here. I was up uh, earlier on in the year before the grandstands went up and I played the course and uh, you know the difference in the in the few months is absolutely unreal. I think this could actually be probably one of the the best British Opens stuff that, that we've ever had.
1: Tell us about the course uh, Philip because uh, I, like two new holes have been added is that right since uh, since the Irish Open was there in 2012 what sort of course in it what are the challenges in it?
0: Well uh, I tell you it's uh, the, the old 17 and the old 18 are, are now gone and there's a new 7 and a new 8 mm. which basically was land that was on the valley course which yes. is the links that's adjacent. Uh, Martin Ebert was the designer who was brought in Mackenzie and Ebert and he does a lot of work with the RNA and I must say you know it's it's seamless you wouldn't it's hard to know you know what what are the two new holes do you look as if they've always been here and I know where uh, Tiger Woods was here yesterday he flew in from Florida literally got off his plane and came out and he played 18 holes and he actually had to ask what were the two new holes because and, and you know he, he's obviously a, a great design head on him and uh, he didn't know which were the two new holes. so they, they've come seamlessly into the layout and uh, they're, you know they're, they're fantastic holes and uh, it's, it's going to be a great championship I think
1: and tell me so what uh, what are the big holes that we need to be looking out for uh, on TV
0: well the, the part 3 uh, 16th is known as calamity and uh <laughs> It has the potential for that sort of disaster it's well named it's one of the great par trees in the world it's uh, over 200 yards and there's a big chasm all the way from the T down the right-hand side there's a sort of a small bailout area to the left it's known as uh, Lock's Hollow it's where Bobby Lock when he won, wa- when he played here during the uh, 1951 championship which is won by max faulkner for all four rounds he found the same bailout spot on the left so they named that hollow uh locks hollow but you know to be honest malachi from from one to 18 it's just one great golf hole after another and it, it's almost hard to pick out one hole mm. because it is just a series of of links holes that have created one of the best golf courses in the world
2: uh, you have a great piece in the paper today, Philip, um, on Rory McElroy and him having the course record 16. What are we expecting from from him this week and his his knowledge of the course?
0: Well, Rory knows the course very well. It, it, he probably knows Royal County Down a bit better. But as a 10-year-old, he first came up here. was a birthday present from his dad. And uh, in actual fact, when he arrived that day, uh, Darren Clark happened to be on the, uh, the pudding green and he went up and he was talking with Darren Clark and he said that even made the Bertie present even better because uh, Darren was a player that he very much looked up to as as a, as a youngster he was part of the, he went on to be part of Darren Clark's uh, foundation and uh, but Rory he shot a a 61 as a 16 year old it it is a different golf course now and the setup for the north of Ireland wouldn't be anything the way he was set up for uh, the Open Championship this week so in terms of toughness it's a much tougher course but then again he was only 16 then and he's a much better player now he's a four time major champion and I think I don't know how much he's going to regret playing the Scottish Open last week because it really wasn't the preparation that they were looking for. It's, they call it the Lynx. It didn't look to me just looking at it on TV as if it was really a genuine Lynx. Um, but he's he was out prepping here. He was prepped here last Saturday for, for a full day and uh, he said it all just came back in terms of fit in his eye and how comfortable he felt on the course and uh, his performances in the British Open in the last number of years he's, after his win in 2014 he wasn't able to defend in 2015 because of his ankle injury but he's top five in in the other trio the, the other trio occasions that he's played so yeah he is definitely one of the favourites this week and uh, he expects a big week and I expect a big week of him uh,
1: we obviously have to talk Tiger Phillip uh like, whatever happens this year, uh, he he won the Masters this year. He's back, so the year is a is a success. However, this week goes, uh, but the British Open is always something that it, that it was special to him. How is he looking?
0: Well, he looked a bit tired, to be honest, yesterday, just the, the few holes that I saw him playing. But he had literally just got off a plane and within two hours he was out in the links. He's had a very strange season, mm. you know, w- winning the Masters was obviously you know, an unbelievable sporting story. One of the greatest comebacks that there has been in any sport. But since then, he, he didn't play from the Masters up to the PGA and then he didn't play for another month between the PGA up to the US Open and now he hasn't played since the US Open up to now so it's been a very very strange uh, scheduling Mm. and uh, you just wonder is he fully fit or is there a question mark about how well he is, um, but certainly he played 18 holes and he's gone out again, he was out at 8 o'clock this morning, he's playing a practice round with Dustin Johnson and uh, Ricky Fowler, but uh, this is one that obviously Tiger is, is, he loves the history of golf, he loves the feel of what the British Open brings to his game and to his mindset. So we to be honest, we're going to have to wait and see what Thursday brings. But uh, but he is here, and uh, he's always a story, as as you know.
1: Uh, there, we could go through a, a laundry list of names. Uh, who do you want to pick out to to talk about?
0: Well, I, I think uh, John Ram is with his performance at the mm. Irish Open is definitely a player who is—he seems to love links golf. You mm. know, for someone who has a fiery temperament and different breaks that you get on, on seaside golf courses, he, he seems almost unflappable at times when he's playing links compared to mistakes that he made, makes in Parkland. I think he, he has a game that, again, he's going to contend. Looking at the Irish, I think uh, Shane Lowry definitely looks and very comfortable in his own skin this year. He's had had a very decent year by his standards. He's only had one win back in Abu Dhabi, but he's playing consistently well and tends to get himself in the mix. Bizarrely, he's had a very strange uh, British Open uh, career, like he's missed a cut in the last four. So the sense of expectation that he goes in with probably is too much of a burden. And I think the difference this year is that he, he doesn't seem to be holding that sort of pressure too much, and he seems to be carrying it much better. And as I said, he's, he's, he looks comfortable in his skin, and I think he's going to have a big week here. Uh,
1: they're expecting uh, bumper crowds. Is, is Portrush is, is a fair? It's a fairly long way up, and it's fairly remote. Is it going to be? They they it all sorted for people getting in and out and all of that.
0: I tell you, the uh, I think the Irish Open back in twenty twelve was the perfect. Uh, sort of prep because they they operated a park and ride system back then which worked brilliantly and I must say my experience just in the last two days of getting in and getting out everything is well signposted everything is well routed the uh, PSNI are out uh, directing traffic and there's literally no traffic jams at all and uh, I think people are going to find it a very pleasant experience in terms of getting to the golf course because there's a train station that comes into Portrush so they're trying to urge people to use the train and then for those who are using their cars, there's a lot of park and ride, car parking and it seems to be very well organised and the the RNA are, to be honest, are experts at doing this and uh, certainly not going to be any problems from a traffic point of view.
1: Well you take care up there Philip, plenty of sun cream, plenty of ice cream (laughs) and and, uh, plenty of uh, words coming down to the newspaper and enjoy yourself.
0: I will. Thanks, Malachi. Thanks,
1: Thanks Malik. Cheers. Uh, Thanks to Philip. Thanks to Sean, who was in earlier talking to us about the guy. Uh, Thanks to you, Eamon. Thanks, Malachi. Thanks to Declan behind the desk. And thanks to everybody else. We'll see you all next week.